And since colleges are shut down, people are working from home, they're feeling this need to connect and socialize more than ever before. And our product is actually coming at the perfect time. Making sure that we are giving them time to socialize and provide that value of communicating with other people that fills a different kind of gap that social media fills um, is something that we think is really critical right now. And So both of us were originally students at Duke and well, Helena dropped out relatively <laughs> early into her time at college and she came out to California and a few months ago back in September, she came back to Duke and we had a chance to talk and we were both just really excited and passionate about the same things and making a positive impact in people's lives. And we started talking about what are the types of problems that we mutually face. And one of the ones that we thought was really, really important was surrounding this idea of loneliness and meeting people being hard, keeping up with your friends being something that's really difficult to do. And so we took a look at that and we we're like, let's build a product that makes it easier for people to meet others, to reduce the friction out of meeting others. And that actually led to Gravitate, which was our first product designed to help you handle all of the logistics for meeting someone, making sure that the person was relevant, handling your time and location and scheduling, and just basically reducing all of the effort from the users that is involved with logistically planning a meetup with someone else. And something that got us really excited about the loneliness space wasn't even that like we had both felt it. It was that when we took a step back and we looked at the loneliness epidemic, and how much it was rising based on existing social platforms, we knew that there had to be something different. But I remember asking Brian to his face, like, why you still at Duke? <laughs> and like, let's go build this. And he just bounced the question right back at me. He's like, why are you still at that startup? And I think from that moment, we were like, okay, not only do we have to go build a startup, we want to do it together. And then we decided to apply to Y Combinator. Yeah, awesome. So a lot of questions there. Can you <laughs> unpack a little bit about your thinking and pivoting from what you were building originally to your development process with Glimpse? Yeah, so I love meeting people. I love having amazing conversations, like mind-blowing. I think my bio is just like, talk to me about like terraforming Mars. If anybody's out there listening, at me on Twitter. <laughs> but a lot of people don't want to engage in those conversations just off the bat, they want to prepare for them. So the idea was schedule this time once a week to have an authentic, vulnerable conversation with a stranger. It turns out most people don't just want to talk to strangers uh, and don't want to block out an hour of time plus all the commute time in meeting up. So I think those two things factor in. And what we were solving was the pain of choosing that stranger. We you know, pride ourselves on having psychometric analysis, picking that person, and then finding the place and the time. But those things that we solved weren't big enough blockers. And once we realized this, we knew that we had to take a different approach. Yeah, so Ethan, I don't know how extroverted of a person you are, but when someone tells you to meet with someone random, there's a couple of things that really come as a big barrier. It's hard to get you really, really excited about meeting that other person. And what Helena talked about earlier with the investment that you have to make, not only in terms of the time and the effort you put into going there, but the other things that you could be doing at that time, which for a lot of people involves hanging out with their existing friends or staying close with their family. And so there's all of these barriers that we saw in this space because of this excitement issue and this high initial investment issue. And so we took a step back and said, well, can we make it 
even easier for people to meet others? Can we reduce the investment? Can we make this something they're really excited about that they're not really nervous about the moment before they go? And that's where Glimpse was born from. We talked about what if we did two-minute video introductions between people as a way of leading into the meeting. And what we really quickly realized was that two-minute format was incredibly magical. Yeah, in our MVP, it was kind of comical. We were just like in our bedroom holding up two phones. Brian would call a friend, I would call a friend, like, hey, we're doing this experiment. Are you ready? You have two minutes. And they're like, huh? <laughs> and we were like, you have 30 seconds to talk, and then you have 30 seconds to talk, and then you can converse. And then it would cut off like right at the time when they were really hitting it off. And they were like, wait, I want to continue. I'm like, yes, yes, you do. <laughs> and so when we were doing this, a lot of really interesting things happened. The first was people were extremely receptive to doing this. With Gravitate, our friends were all like, that's a great idea. I love this. I wish I had something like this. But then you ask them to download it. You ask them to go on a meetup and everyone's like, I'm too busy. I don't have time. And so I don't know if they were trying to spare our feelings or if, you know, it's that thing where people say they want something and they don't actually know exactly what they want. But with Glimpse, in a couple hours time, we got 60 of our friends to do this. There were people who literally rolled out of bed and immediately were like, yeah, I'm down to do two minute conversation with someone I don't know. And so the amount of enthusiasm behind what we were doing was very significant. I think that's really interesting. Just thinking about the college environment where it's kind of engineered to force you into those types of interactions. Whereas other social products in the past, when I think about something like chat roulette, I don't want to talk to strangers or something like house party, which I thought was awesome, but it definitely could turn into a bit of a mess. Mm -hmm. What did you draw on from past products? What do you kind of want to avoid in your journey with Glimpse? Definitely. I think the downfall of chat roulette and all apps that were chat roulette-esque was that you ended up having a huge problem with malicious actors. People would come on and potentially be nude and like have other content that just wasn't okay. And A, they spent a lot of money on image processing to try to filter those out. And B, people were scared of accepting their matches. Our approach is unique because we don't actually pair you with a complete stranger. A user joins the platform and they build a room. That's just like an iMessage group or a WhatsApp group, et cetera. And you choose who to add to that group. And then the magic happens though, when all of these people add their own friends and then those friends add their friends and it expands and becomes this, like, I don't know, 200 person room. And then you do round robin or chat roulette within those people. And then even if it's a name you don't recognize, you feel comfortable because somebody that you know added them. Yeah, and with things like chat roulette is people at times will be like, I really want to go talk to a stranger. But, you know, that's more of a thing that happens occasionally and not something that you're eager to do on a daily basis. So the kind of approach that we're taking here involves a couple of the things that we learned from building Gravitate, one being people need a better way to catch up with their existing friends. They actually asked us to build the product and design it to make it easier for them to schedule a meetup with their existing friends. And the other aspect is this, this powerful concept behind having a mutual friend and someone in between, just making you more comfortable about talking to them and 
basically it just removes so many of the barriers that we saw in place for why people were not eager to meet strangers at the time. So really focusing on this idea of rooms and your friends and your friends of friends are things that we think are critically important for long-term user engagement and for people to have a generally positive experience every single time they come on the app. Yeah. And I think what you just touched on, Brian, is really important because when I think about something like Facebook or Instagram, their incentives are not necessarily aligned with your long-term happiness or well-being. Like I'm literally just scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, consuming content, and I like I'm not even interacting with the other people that I'm connected with on there. Is that something early users have been talking about as well? Yeah. Not only early users, but I would say all trends in I guess new social apps totally is aligned with that. Like if you look at TikTok, it's popular, I would say because people can create content and share that created content. In general, I'd say is shifting from these scrollable apps that are just like, you are consuming information to I am co-creating, I am building things. And you look at Gen Z and how they are setting time limits on their phones, turning their phones on grayscale and not hating themselves, but like trying to distance themselves from screen time. And there's no platforms that give them productive social screen time. And we want to be that. When we talk about what we're trying to build from our end, you're talking about scrolling through Instagram. Well, one of the visions that we have long-term for what we're building is the next time you're in line for coffee at a Starbucks and you've got five or six minutes, instead of spending that time scrolling through Instagram and just processing these photos that your friends are taking, what you can do is you glimpse them for two minutes at a time. And in those six minutes, you've caught up with three of your friends and Really, the app is built intentionally around making as convenient as possible to catch up with people, to talk with people. And really, this focus on time boxing means that you don't need to be afraid of calling someone because it'll be an hour-long conversation, but you can very much be like, catching up with you is part of my everyday routine. This is something that I do. It's casual. It's easy to do. It's a low commitment, but it gives us both a ton of value. And one of the goals that we have is just making sure that those spare minutes that you have anytime during your life are converted into this. Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk more about your long-term vision for the product? Do you think that it's a bit more focused on deepening your existing relationships? Is it kind of matching you up with friends of friends? What do you think that looks like? Right now, we want to focus on building out friends of friends while also helping you maintain existing friendships. And the reason we think it's twofold is I think one of them is more of the adrenaline rush and the other provides more of the stickiness. Uh, we've also had a lot of feature requests for public rooms, which were a little scared to implement, uh, mostly because of the chat roulette problems, but figuring out a way to make those safe. Maybe they're event-based, which we've had some interest for, of like, hey, the democratic debates are coming up. Join this public topic and talk to people about it, versus like a public room that's open at all times and with all people. One of the things that we want this to become is a better way of regularly communicating with other people. So um, when you think about text messages, the asynchronous aspect is helpful, but it also results in these disjointed conversations that take a lot of time because you need to read messages, think about responding. And then you've got all these video products, which take just a lot of effort and are not really designed for people to keep up with more than just their family and best friends. And everyone else kind of gets excluded from using those video products. And so effectively designing a format that's really powerful to people, easy to use, something that they want to use and love using, 
and using that as a new default way of communicating with people in your life rather than what we're currently doing. So you're busy onboarding new users. Can you talk some more about what that initial experience will look like for someone who has never been on it? What is that going to look like for them? So that's something we are rolling out a completely new version of, which we're excited by. And the first thing we ask a user to do is to create a room just to kind of frame the conversation, you could say, around this is a place where you are building a safe room, you're adding people, and you're going to match with people you know and people that they know. And after you build your room, you can invite friends that are on the platform or invite your friends that are off the platform. And basically what will happen is initially when a user hops on the platform, a lot of times they'll have some friends on it, they might have fewer friends on it, But we do have public channels where they can initially join and have a chance to speak with us or other users on the platform as a way of initially learning how Glimpse works. In the future, we will most likely roll out public channels, but we're just not there at this moment. But within these individual rooms, you'll have your friends and your friends of friends. And let's say you've got some spare time to kill and you want to chat with some people. Well, you hop into the room and others within that room will get a notification. And when they hop on, you'll go into this format where you round robin around your friends. So two minutes with this person, once you're done, then everyone rotates onto someone else and chats for two minutes again, and then rotate again and chat for two minutes again. So basically like this nice, easy format that takes very little effort to make sure that you're talking with a bunch of people within your room who are all your friends or your friends of friends. Just to zoom out a little bit, can each of you talk about your decisions to drop out of Duke, which I'm sure were very difficult, and then what your experience as a part of YC's current cohort has been like. I dropped out, I guess it's a year and a half now. Uh, I was halfway through my sophomore year. I guess to zoom back even more, uh, I was one of those kids that started to code when I was in middle school. I was building apps mostly because my parents said I couldn't have games, so I decided to build my own. And then in high school, I realized I could do more than just build games. started working with animal shelters, increasing adoption rates through tech, worked for a cloud security company. It was like a 50 person startup, fantastic experience. But I realized that I don't think I want to work in cloud security. <laughs> and <laughs> then I also was starting to look more in like the tech space in general and got a little jaded about how tech was ruining the world. And a lot of the things I was looking up to were actually just like these massive corporations. And for me, tech had always just been a passion of like, I see a problem and I find a way for tech to solve it. So when I applied to college, I wasn't even looking for computer science. I looked at Duke because of their biomedical engineering program and I applied early decision somehow got in and did that for a semester realized that engineering moves a lot slower than computer science and my interest had been mainly like the intersection of healthcare and technology and it wasn't the right intersection for me I found that to be true when I switched into their arts and sciences school and focused on global health and computer science And that was a nice combination. At Duke, you can't just study global health. So I tacked on what I thought was the easiest next major, (laughs) uh, computer science. And so I did that. But I also realized that, like, it wasn't what I was looking for. I was spending all my time on weekends. Probably every other weekend, I'd be at a hackathon. Um, I was building side projects. I had a student job in a lab. And I realized I was getting so much more out of any project that could, like, last past a semester. And anything in class was kind of artificially stressful. And as somebody who cared about my classes, cared about learning a ton, there was some kind of blocker and got mostly frustrated at like, I would pour my heart and soul into this project and then it would be over and then, you know, I'd get my grade, whatever. 
So I spent that summer in Madagascar working mostly with global health interests. And then when I came back from Madagascar, I went to visit the startup in Mountain View, which somehow conjoled me into dropping out of school, first to join them for an internship. This was spring 2019. And then month in or so, they gave me a full-time offer and I decided to take it. I say that lightly now, but in, in the moment, I was definitely reaching out cold to a bunch of people asking if that would impact my career. And the resounding answer was that no, like you're in the Valley, you're in tech, you're fine. And I think the hardest sell there was just to my mom. My dad was like, you're a smart kid, go do your things and go change the world. My mom was worried <laughs> to say the least, but I think getting funding from Y Combinator definitely changed her mind. Yeah. I was in a little bit different of a boat. I ended up dropping out this past semester, which was the first semester of my junior year. I completed it. And the second semester, which is where we are right now, I ended up deciding not to go back. And it was actually fairly good timing with everything that's been going on recently. School was something that I actually very enjoyed. I believe that the things that were really valuable to me there were personal development, helping me figure out who I am as a person, what I want to be doing. I loved the classes, but at a certain point in college, it started to plateau a little bit. And I think for me, it was hitting towards the end of sophomore year where people stop meeting each other. You don't always have the energy to go to all these events that you do when you're a freshman. And it kind of just starts slowing down a little bit. And I was at a point in my life where I actually wanted things to speed up. And with what Helena was saying with her projects, that was very true for me as well. It felt like every time you finish classes for one semester, you kind of ingest that content, you do some small projects during the semester, and then it goes out the window afterwards. And for me, I very much wanted my efforts to be collectively building towards something bigger. And what I've always really cared about is making a positive impact on people's lives. And the reason I've studied software engineering is because I think it's a really powerful way for you to be able to take someone's problem, come up with a solution, deploy it quickly and deploy it at scale. And so that was why I was studying computer science and it didn't feel like I was executing on the reason I wanted to study computer science to begin with. So when Helena came by in August of last year, talked to me about how much she wanted to get a startup off the ground and how much she wanted to make this kind of impact it was not a hard sell at the time. It was like, I've been waiting for this. Um, I want to do this. I'm in. But of course, you know, reservations in between, there were moments where I turned back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need my internship for next summer because otherwise I'm in a terrible spot. But the answer was, that was just me being overly panicky. I think there's this really strong attitude that's developed at some of the US colleges where if you don't have an internship, it's looked down upon, you have to get the most prestigious company. I think all of that's just a large fallacy that has kind of been perpetuating at these schools over time. Basically, it's like everyone feels this need to conform, but I really don't think it should be that way. And we've spent a lot of time actively trying to work against that kind of expectation and stereotype of what a college student should be doing. But Y Combinator definitely was a major help here. They gave us a vote of confidence saying they believe in us. And not only was that a vote of confidence to our families, but also to ourselves saying we're ready to do this full time. We have the backing, we have the mentorship, and we have this group of people who believe that we can do this. And that is very, very significant coming from 
a group of people whose job is to pick startups and to pick people that they think are ready to risk it all to build companies, even if those companies are most likely going to die. So having their vote of confidence made it very, very easy for me to say, this is an opportunity I'm ready to take. I'm willing to drop out. I'm willing to go pursue this full time because not only am I confident I can do it, other people are confident that I can do it. And I'm going to run with that. Yeah. And I think it's really admirable, the choice that you've made. And it's a huge, strong signal that YC accepted you into their most recent cohort. So how have some of the recent events, obviously with Demo Day getting pushed online and then moved up, how has that impacted your own timeline? Well, it's been hell of a ride. We definitely accelerated our launch. So we launched on Product Hunt three days ago now. We were going to hold off on doing that. We also accelerated our fundraising plans. But everyone's timeline is condensed. I guess it's like everyone feels that. It doesn't really help though. But in terms of other ways that the virus has impacted us, it means that the loneliness epidemic that was kind of the silent epidemic of our generation is no longer silent which is unfortunate, but it means that it is getting attention and that people are looking for solutions more actively and readily than before. And since colleges are shut down, people are working from home, they're feeling this need to connect and socialize more than ever before. And our product is actually coming at the perfect time. And this could really be what helps us take off. Just to add on to that, what's funny is we actually pivoted at the right moment because gravitate was a product for people to meet others who are strangers in person person. (laughs) and trying to get that done now would have been an absolute nightmare our decision to pivot was not affected by the coronavirus we had made that decision independently this just happens to be a time when we can provide a lot of value to people i mean you're talking about all these high schools that are closing, colleges that are closing, and then companies that are having people work from home. You can no longer go and casually grab lunch with your friend, even though you have all this free time now. And so making sure that we are helping people stay connected with others that matter in their life, making sure that we are giving them time to socialize and provide that value of communicating with other people that fills a different kind of gap that social media fills, Um, is something that we think is really critical right now. And the acceleration of the social isolation issue actually just inspires us and energizes us further to make sure that we're doing this right and making as big of a positive impact as we can in this timeframe when the world desperately needs solutions to make sure that people are still getting the social interactions they need, even as they're isolated in their homes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is probably the best answer you could have to the why now question that everyone loves to ask in the startup world. So yeah, before I let both of you go, something that Ash and I ask all of our guests is whether you have any books or podcasts that have had a very large impact on your own lives. Yeah, I am a killer for podcasts. I'd say my all-time favorite uh, is The Knowledge Project by Shane Parrish. In terms of books, all-time favorite book, definitely The Kite Runner. It's not one of those startup books, but I think it hits all the feels. It's just a fantastic book. Another book I think that's impacted me a lot is just Hard Thing About Hard Things. Good old classic. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, in terms of podcasts, I'm a big fan of Reed Hoffman's Masters of Scale. Mm-hmm. I, I think the format that he does where he pulls in feedback from his previous interviews and uses them all to address the same kind of core question every single time is incredibly powerful. 
And there's things that you learn from it that are really relevant to startups, like killing your bad ideas or looking for your next big idea. And then I guess relevant to the space that we're working in, one of my favorite books is actually Catcher in the Rye. And I think one of the reasons is when I was going through high school, there were a lot of times when I struggled with things and I struggled with like being a teenager and growing up and dealing with thinking you're better than your parents or no more than them and everything and being mad at everyone. And in those moments, if you don't have friends who are expressing the exact same opinions, it can be really easy to feel alone in the world. And reading about Holden was like this book from the 1950s has a teenager who, even though he's living in a different time, struggles with the exact same things that you struggle with. And I think it's like a really good way of looking at how things actually happen in the world in that when you're struggling with something and you think it's unique, usually it means a lot of other people are going through the exact same situation, um, even if you don't know who they are. And having that kind of comfort in knowing that you're not alone in something is just incredibly, incredibly powerful. And honestly, for anyone who is in high school right now, I would strongly recommend if you're struggling with anything, read that book and just know that there are others going through the same thing. That's awesome. Okay. Where can listeners find you online? Where can they find Glimpse? At Helena Merck on Twitter. I'm actually not a big social media person, but I'm trying because of Glimpse. And at Join Glimpse, uh, and then joinglimpse.com is where you can find anything Glimpse related. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Most of my handles are Brian Lee 101, I believe. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Yeah, thank thank you you so much for having us. This was super fun. This has been Ethan Lee Tyson with Worth. You can find show notes below or at worth.card.co. That's card with two R's. Thanks for your time.